When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The following content is not suitable for children. Let's talk about attachment theory, baby. The bedrock that makes sense of everything we're saying here. We need to tell everybody about this big secret because it's exactly what we need to be connected. That's right. Welcome to Foreplay Sex Therapy. I'm Dr. Lori Watson, your sex therapist. And I'm George Fowler, your couples therapist. We are here to talk about sex. Our mission is to help couples talk about sex in ways that incorporate their body, their mind, and their hearts. And we have a little bit of fun doing it, right, G? Listen, and let's change some relationships. This is the last chance, y'all, to sign up for our class, Unleash the Power of Sex in EFT for Therapists. We are doing this on January 19th and 20th. Come on, therapists. This is the front line. This is how we help couples in the area they need it most. And most of us don't have the training we need. So every one of these trainings, we learn so much more. We, you know, it feels like we're pushing this the model of sex and emotions and attachment in a direction of more safety and security. Yeah. And we want to help you feel proficient, feel at ease talking about it. We're going to go through anatomy and physiology, kind of talk about the, the basis for talking about the sexual cycle, how you do it, when you do it, going through EFT stages one and two. It, it's going to be exciting. And it's going to be online, so you don't have to travel to do it. This is our winter class. Be there, be square, people. January 19th and 20th, sign up on foreplaysextherapy.com. So let's do it. I mean, attachment theory, it sounds pretty simple. Most people think, ah, yeah, I kind of get this stuff, but I'm not really sure that they do. I like that you use the word secret, Laurie, because it's it's a well-kept secret that we're <laughs> trying to make not a secret anymore. When, and when you say theory, right, it just people go, oh, uh-uh, I you know, want to turn that off. Maybe theory is going to be boring until we see ourselves in it. And then suddenly it becomes alive. That's right. So let's make it alive. What is okay. this theory? I mean, okay. based on the work of John Bowlby. Right. Right. This is decades old. He actually wanted to call it a theory of love. I like that. I know it would have made it simpler so for people much to understand. Better. Okay. So let's us call it. This is our title, Theory of Love. Theory of Love. Theory of Love. I love that. It starts with the basic premise. Like, why are we here? What's the point of life? I mean, it's an important question. Yeah. And lots of models and theorists answer it in different ways. You know, survival of the fittest, sexual gratification, bartering, compromise. Avoiding death. Avoiding death, id, the superego, all these kind of theories. And the simplicity of attachment theory or the theory of love is saying we are here to be in relationship. We are here to connect. We are here to connect. Yep. You know, and we'll talk in other episodes around the wellspring of research behind this. You know, it seems like from the smallest of molecules to the biggest of galaxies, it's all about relationship and connection and exchange happening. Exactly. Why would we think we're any different? Yeah. And I think that's what makes life so meaningful, right, is our connection to each other. Yeah. And I think we're excited for 2024, that we're going to take some time to really try to unpack this theory of love 
And this model that's emotionally focused therapy that helps people put it into practice to connect, to repair. And we're going to take a couple of months to just go through episode by episode, seeing how it unfolds. So we are right now the College of Love. We, We want you to follow us and learn about emotional connection and sexual eroticism so that you know how they interrelate and how to make it work in your relationship so you're successful. Exactly. So maybe you can call me Dr. Love. <laughs> you have been called Dr. Love in the well, past. Well, Is that not true? That. Well, <laughs> Dr. Love, was that not your fireman name when that's, they like, oh, come on. That's for tell a conversation at another day. Come no. on. We got to leave our, our listeners hanging sometimes. <laughs> so. We really want to take this theory, help you understand kind of where we're coming from and how we help couples have new conversations. Then to do that, this theory is trying to answer those questions. Why are we here? Right. 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 Our basic foremost instinct is to be in relationship. It's not aggression. It's not all these other things. It, it is to be in connection. So how do you put on these attachment lenses? I guess that's what we're wanting listeners to think about. Like, can you put on these glasses with us to help make sense of what's out there in the world, right? Because there's so many interpretations, it's easy to get confused. It is easy to get confused. And I think that once you see this, it organizes the way we relate to each other. We understand each other. So the College of Love, George, is how we're going to help people in 2024 basically find the deepest security with their partner, both emotionally and sexually. Right. And to hit that target, we have to embrace, because there's a lot of pathologizing of this need to connect, right? It calls it weakness, a dependence, and just to recognize- Codependence. This is our greatest strength. This is what separates us from so many other species. Like this, this need to work together, to be in relationship- you know, to look at your relationship without taking that into consideration, it's like looking at a fish out of water. I mean, mm-hmm. this this is it. This is what we're all doing in different forms. Mm-hmm. So how do we start to kind of don't have to defend that to start recognizing, hey, wait a second. This is our strength. Mm-hmm. So we're stronger together. We're stronger together. And the research in every separate discipline is saying exactly the same thing. There's this saying that says, if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And this is a long life, a long partnership. You know, people ask me, why should I marry? Why should I commit? Why should I be with somebody when there's so much pain and there's so many problems and the divorce rate is so high? Why would I take that risk? And it's because we have a long life and being partnered is the way we make it. The way life becomes more satisfying. And if you have this theory of love, things start to make sense. Yes. Right? Like you said, we're looking for these patterns, which we'll talk a lot about. But I'd like to start off with it gives you a really clear model of what health looks like. Okay. What do couples in a securely attached relationship look like? Right. What do they do? Yeah. So they... You know, two things. They they feel really comfortable putting their needs out there. It's okay to have needs. They know that their partner is going to want to know their needs. And then the other part of it is couples are responsive to each other. Mm-hmm. I say to my husband, you know, look at the cardinal out there. And he looks up from his computer and he looks at the cardinal. And for one tiny moment, we share this like, wow, isn't nature beautiful? Isn't it 
awesome to see these cardinals at our feeder. It's no big deal. But when he does that, we're sharing this tiny little moment. We're connecting. Mm -hmm. And that responsiveness over time multiplied by the thousands of times that I interrupt him on his computer, right? You know, tells me I'm important and tells me that we're connecting. Sue Johnson, who's our mentor, the founder of Emotionally Focused Therapy, she talks, she says, in its simplicity, all of us are looking for A-R-E conversations. A, is my partner accessible? R, will my partner respond? E, will that response be emotionally engaged? Mm -hmm. This is the heartbeat of attachment. Mm -hmm. And most of us never talk about it. Yeah, so accessibility. You know, we, we know basically sexually or emotionally, when we reach for our partner, they're, they're going to be there. You know, maybe it's not always in the mood, but when I say to my partner, hey, hey, I was thinking about going out tonight, he's going to say, I'm going to make some space for that. I got to get through all this work, but, you know, seven o'clock, let's go downstairs and have wine and a fire and, you know, connect a little bit and put that on the table, you know. Or on the couch or the floor or whatever. We all have fights and misses. And we'll talk about what happens when our relationship is threatened. You know, but I was thinking about this this morning. And both my parents are gone. And they had their issues and lots of fighting and craziness. And they came up short in a lot of areas. Irish and Italian. I knew, and I still know that from them, that I was loved. Right, that's mm-hmm. that sense of security that I still carry with me today. That's awesome to know both of them. If I needed them, were there. So those a ARE gift. conversation, it's a true gift, right? Yeah. It's like it's not a gift that you just get in that moment. That's what attachment is. It's something you carry with you forever, right? When you have this this memory of being seen, of being wanted, of being liked, of being loved. Like those are these basic attachment needs that we all have to be seen, to be safe, to be heard. I mean, this is what's driving the ship. You know, you told me a story once about your mom that she, you knew she was always praying for you. Mm-hmm. And I think that it's like you knew she was thinking about you, caring about you, loving you, even from afar, even as you were a grown-up man, far away. You know, it was like you had this deep sense of mom is holding me in her heart. Yes. And that's what we want from our partners, too. Mm-hmm. When we're gone, when we're at work, when we're traveling, we, we want to know that our partner thinks of us, remembers yes. us, holds us in their heart. When, when we're worried and troubled, it matters to our partner. When we're angry, even when we're angry about our relationship, it matters to our partner. Exactly. And that's why attachment theory says these needs are from your cradle to death. And a lot yeah. of us believe beyond that, right? You're never too young or too old to be wanted, to feel safe, to be loved. I, I mean, I, I want to say something about that. I, I think many people feel that about God, right? That there is a greater mm-hmm. father presence. Maybe it's a universal force that is good and, you know, loving to them. And that stabilizes them. Yeah. Yeah. It's good news when science and Faith or religion is saying the same message, right? We're designed to be part of something bigger than just ourselves, right? And when you start to recognize that's what's driving it, it also makes sense. What happens when that's threatened? 
What happens when the relationship isn't where it needs to be? Mm-hmm. Humans have very simple ways of protecting themselves. Yep. When threatened, we're going to fall into a fight or flight response. We're either going to protest and say, hey, I don't like this. You're not listening to me. I'm going to shake you to get me to listen. Or I'm going to just try to turn down the heat, walk away, and not let it bug me. We all do some of both, but helping partners understand, like, what are you doing when you're threatened? Mm -hmm. Really important if we're going to do it differently. Mm -hmm. Right. And I think, especially the one who turns it down and walks away, sometimes is not quite of a as aware that they're doing something. It almost looks like their partner is the angry, critical one coming at them. And if mm-hmm. they would just be happy, yep. you know, life would be good. You know, I'm not really doing anything. And in some ways, they're not doing anything. And that's the problem. You know, it's like they don't they don't want to look at problems, right? They don't want to see those because it, it disturbs them. Exactly. And so they have learned survival is don't look. Don't don't get involved in all that. Let's just, you know, yep. keep it mellow. A basic premise of attachment theory is trying to help couples expand their frame to see circularity. Most people see linearly. Like the problem is I'm angry because you never listen and you walk away. Mm-hmm. I don't see the reason why you walk away is because I'm angry, right? That's right. seeing a relationship. Right. Right. Attachment theory is always trying to expand to help people see the relationship instead of just the tunnel vision of their own kind of yeah. limited experience when they're threatened. Right. That's a big shift. That's a big shift. It's a big shift. I, and I think that as couples, you know, so much of the time we can see the other. We can see what the other is doing and not doing. It's very hard to see what we are doing. And even to wonder why we're doing that. And that's where attachment theory comes in is mm-hmm. the why. Exactly. Hey, y'all, it's sexy time. It's almost Valentine's Day, or maybe your anniversary is coming up. And I'd like you to know that Foria has just dropped a new brand formula. It's massage oil with organic botanicals, and it's designed to help you get in the mood by supporting foreplay and lingering touch. Imagine the best orgasm or sex you've ever had. Now imagine that it could be even better with these products that were designed to naturally enhance sexual pleasure and give you access to bigger and better orgasms. Awaken is like a juicy warm-up that helps you get really turned on, increasing your pleasure and deepening those orgasms with a partner or by yourself. So yes, you have my permission to try this. I fully endorse you to go ahead and treat yourself and your partner this Valentine's Day and experience your juiciest, deepest sensual experience with a bottle of Foria. Foria is offering a special deal for our Foreplay fam Get 20% off your first order by visiting foriawellness.com slash foreplay or use the code foreplay at checkout. That's F-O-R-I-A wellness.com forward slash foreplay for 20% off your first order. I recommend trying their new massage oil too combined with their Awaken Arousal Oil. You'll thank me later. Okay, it's a new year and a new me we say. Every year and two weeks later, we're all looking a whole lot like our old selves, but there is one resolution that's within your reach, smelling better naked. LoomDeodorant.com is a game changer for the whole body deodorant. They're designed by an OBGYN to work not only on your pits, but also your feet, privates, and everywhere else when we get odor. No matter where you use it, Loom is clinically proven to block odor all day long 
thanks to its one-of-a-kind pH-optimized formula, and you've got 275,000 five-star reviews to show for it. Yes. 12 hours after a shower, the average person has an odor level of 6 out of 10. With Loom, the average odor level is 0 out of 10. Make the switch to Loom and make this year your freshest one ever. New customers get $5 off Loom's starter pack with our exclusive code and link. Use the code foreplay at loomdeodorant.com. L-U-M-E-D-E-O-D-O-R-A-N-T.com with the code foreplay. Addie. Ladies, did you know that one of the most common complaints from women about their sexual health is a frustrating low libido? Our sex drives can decline, but it's also treatable. Addy or Flibanserin is FDA approved and has been clinically proven to increase sexual desire in certain premenopausal women who are bothered by a low libido. So if you feel like you've lost your desire and you want to get it back, stop falling for the snake oils and ask your doctor about Addy today. Go to Addy.com. That's A-D-D-Y-I. Addy is for premenopausal women with acquired generalized hypoactive sexual desire disorder, HSDD, who have not had problems with low sexual desire in the past, who have low sexual desire no matter the type of sexual activity, the situation, or the sexual partner. The low sexual desire is troubling to them and is not due to a medical or mental health problem, problems in the relationship, or medicine or other drug use. Addy is not for use in men or to enhance sexual performance. Your risk of severe low blood pressure and fainting is increased if you drink one to two standard alcoholic drinks close in time to your Addy dose. Wait at least two hours after drinking before taking Addy at bedtime. Your risk of severe low blood pressure and fainting is also increased if you take certain prescriptions, over-the-counter or herbal medications, or have liver problems. Low blood pressure and fainting can happen when you take Addy even if you don't drink alcohol or take other medicines. Do not take if you are allergic to any of the ingredients in Addy. Allergic reactions may include hives, itching or trouble breathing. Sleepiness, sometimes serious, can occur. Common side effects include dizziness, nausea, tiredness, Difficulty falling asleep or staying asleep and dry mouth. See full PI and medication guide, including box warning at addy.com forward slash PI or call 844-PINK-PILL. Go to addy.com and use the code foreplay for a $10 telemedicine appointment to find out if Addy is right for you. So I like attachment theory is I want to take these lenses and put them on so I can understand all the crazy behavior. You know, couples fight over sex, money, kids, a million different things. That's the noise of the content that they come in with. But if you put on your attachment lens, you could see the themes in that content, right? You start seeing the same thing. So I, wanna, I want you all to remember the acronym OIL. It's just a simple way of what are we looking for with our attachment lens? O is the other. We tend to focus on the other person when we're in defensive states. Mm-hmm. When I'm angry, I want my partner to listen. When I'm walking away, I want to get away from my partner because my partner is too critical, right? So that's where we tend to start in these defensive places of protest, of withdrawal, of anger. And that's mostly focusing on the other person, right? The only reason we're doing that is underneath that other, if you go to the eye, the inside, this is where the vulnerability is. This is where the fear is, the hurt, this I'm failing, I'm being rejected. Like this is the heart. This is why we're threatened. But a lot of times partners never talk about the inside because they're focusing on the outside. Right. So we see the behavior of our partner, which yep. drives us crazy. But it's easier to maybe just be angry or just to shut down exactly. than it is to start to feel all these things that come up inside of us. Like Maybe I, my partner doesn't love me. Maybe I'm unworthy myself. Maybe I'm unlovable. Maybe nobody's going to love me. All of these things we kind of defend against this inner turmoil by keeping our focus on the other and not on the I, which yep. is the what's happening in I, in me. Yeah. 
And there's safety in going away. There's safety in anger, right? It gives us a sense of control, but it focuses the problem on the other person and it doesn't include the material we need for better conversations, which is really this view of self, these kind of more vulnerable places. Yeah. And what's the L? The L is, and this is the good news of attachment when you understand connection, is every fear and hurt or ouch, the L is it has a longing. It Mm -hmm. has a need to help it. Like when a baby cries, the longing is pick me up. Yeah. Right. If my partner is criticizing me, the longer is, hey, can you tell me I'm doing it right? right. You know, if, what is the longing? That, that, that's the answer to the attachment dilemma. If we can just get people to get those longings met, that is attachment work. And that's how people develop secure attachment. This is why I felt like all these years later, I still hold on to my parents' love. Because I was able to get those longings met. I needed them to believe in me. They did. I needed their love. They gave it to me, right? Longings met is the whole damn point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I just, as I hear that, right, you came from this, in part, emotionally secure place with your parents. And that's lasted your whole life. You probably think you're pretty lovable. You think you're a nice guy. You think you got Riz. Woo! Bring that Riz on. <laughs> no, but I mean, it does give you self-confidence because that's the the mold that they helped kind of shape you into as a child. And now in your adulthood, wow. And securely attached people from childhood, George, they have better relationships. They make more money. Yeah. If they were to get if you were to get sick, you would feel less pain than somebody who came from an insecurely attached background. Isn't, I mean, what a gift. Yeah. But let's talk about those okay. insecure attachment styles. Okay. Because, you know, even in my family, it has eight kids. Not all of us are secure. Yeah. Same parents, but we all have our own temperament, our own genetic. You know, there's a lot of influence and factors here. But basically, if you can't get your attachment needs directly in a safe way, you're going to protect yourself. So you want to tell us, Lori, about those two insecure attachments, anxious and avoiding styles. Yeah, so anxiously attached people basically kind of feel a frenetic part inside that says, Mm -hmm. I'm not going to get my needs met. Maybe I'm not lovable because my parents, for whatever reasons, you know, kind of gave me attention intermittently. Sometimes they might have been there for me, but they might have been too much. They might have been overprotective or they might, you know, have not been there enough. And I just, I can't figure out what, you know, is supposed to happen between me and my parents. And so what do I do as a child? I develop a strategy. I learn that if I pester them, eventually they will pay attention to me. And so what I do is I pester. And it's like any way I can get it, right? We've all heard that about children. Any attention is, even bad attention is better than no attention. And so as an anxiously attached child, I'm going to keep going. I'm going to say, look at, you know, Pay attention. If you don't pay attention to this, I'll act out. I'll do something naughty, you know, to get your attention. Trying to influence the outcome. Yep. Right. Beautiful. Because I want that. I want my parents to notice me. I want them to love me. I want them to pay attention to me. Yeah. And when the responsiveness is inconsistent, it leaves that nervous system in an anxious state over time, right? This isn't a choice. This is just what happens in the environment that we're in. Right. And the flip side of that is? And avoidantly attached people, right? Oftentimes, there's just, it's not coming your way, ever. And so the child learns that being good, being quiet baby, sort of not making a demand, 
is the best way to maybe get your parent to sidle up next to you and give you a little attention. Yeah. Because they know if they make a demand, their parent is going to flee, going to be overwhelmed, forget it. They're going to go away. So they learn that very early. Even in infancy, they learn that. Yes. And so they, you know, they, they gurgle and coo, but they don't make the fuss. The anxious attached baby, crying all the time. Yep. But the, the avoidantly attached child, you know, learns quickly, no, no, it, it's only if I don't make a fuss that I'll get my needs met. Sometimes, too, you know, in avoidantly attached children, it's like it's not safe. You know, maybe the parent is too yep. angry or is too volatile of a situation. And so they really want to, you know, yeah. keep, keep it closed. We're looking, the natural best way of getting responded to is co-regulation, getting another nervous system to join you to regulate that anxiety. That's what securely attached kids can do. If you don't get it, you either continue to fight for it or you learn to self-regulate. You know, you learn to pull away. I love the strange situation experiment. People can look at this at YouTube, but you can see these attachment styles with a kid. A kid is in a room early on playing in the corner and a stranger comes in and you just see how they respond to that stranger. And anxiously, a kid runs to the parent and clings and never goes back to play. And their nervous system stays in the anxiety. An avoidantly attached kid keeps playing, doesn't even look for help. They've gotten so used to dealing with this on their own, they don't even listen to the anxiety and go for help, which is pretty tragic if mm-hmm. you think about it. A securely attached kid goes to the parent because they're anxious, gets reassured, and goes back to playing, right? They can go into the world. That's that security that we're trying to get all couples to be able to create. The good news is, Whatever your style is, it can change. It's not permanent. In your relationship, you could learn to do what it takes to get your body in that safer, securely attached style. Yeah, this is the college of love. That yeah. we, we really want to help people with this theory of love so that they can have that sense of, I can go home, get the comfort I need from my partner, and I can go out again. I can go play. I can do the work that I'm called to do in this world. I can have my purpose and I can have my home. I can have both of them and feel secure in both places. And how grounding is for a couple to be able to recognize there is a map on how to get to what is the problem in the first place? These defensive strategies where people are sending mixed signals, like I'm angry at you and you're walking away and it happens so fast that You know, people fall into these patterns that they can't come back together. The distance starts to increase. Yeah. Right. And that's the problem. But more importantly, the solution is a couple being able to repair, being able to have these conversations, go to the longings and ask for help. Mm -hmm. You know, hey, when you criticize me, I feel like I'm failing. Mm -hmm. And I deal with that by going away. Mm -hmm. And if you could tell me, you know, it's okay or I'm doing something right that makes me want to stay engaged. That's the longing inside of it. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. Or what about you when I walk away? Yeah, when you walk away, it's pretty terrible for me. You know, just it says, you know, you don't care about me. Mm-hmm. You don't love me. You don't like want to be engaged with me. And so it's like, you know, I go into a despairing place, which of course makes me want to go again. You yeah. know, it's actually a hopeful little piece that says go again. The problem with the anxiety is that it's always with me. Mm-hmm. It still lives in me. Until we reach that security, which when we reach security, we don't have to feel as anxious. I, yeah. I don't know about you, George, but I have relationships and friendships in my life that I'm rock solid with. Like, I don't second guess myself. I don't overthink it. Like, my bestie, I can say anything in the world to her. 
you know, she knows where all the bodies are buried <laughs> and loves me anyway. Yeah. You know, and cares about me. And, you know, if I have to be short with her or if I have to be demanding, she was at work the other day and I had something to tell her and I just like, I asked, you know, I, I need five minutes. And then I basically took eight minutes and she had to say, I, I got to go back to work. I didn't get my feelings hurt. Yeah. And she didn't, you know, it, it wasn't too much for her, even though she had told me I got five and I took eight. It was like, it was okay. You know, neither one of us w was too pushed or too hurt. And that's just a, a micro sort of example. But insecure attachment, when we are secure with somebody, you almost can't do it wrong. So when you're not, right, if you would take it personal, that longing inside you would be for what? And the anxiety. Yeah, the longing inside would be for to know, to deeply know that I'm important, that my partner thinks about me, cares mm -hmm. about the things that I care about, yeah. cares about the problems between us. Yeah. yeah. And this is where we need love the most. It's in these insecure places when we feel like we're failing or letting our partner down, or maybe our partner doesn't want us because we're not smart enough or pretty enough, right? These are the places people need to learn to or listen sexual to. enough. Yeah. Because this is where we need help the most and what most partners are not getting it. Worse, they get their partner's defenses in this place. Mm -hmm. So when you don't get lost in the noise and you go to this college of love, you know, we're here to help you make sense. This is predictable. What works is predictable. What doesn't work is predictable. Mm -hmm. And as couples start to learn that, they get empowered. They start to know what they need to do to actually get the safety and security that they and their partner deserve. Exactly. And we can solve patterns. Yes. As human beings, it's much easier to solve patterns. And that's what we want to show you. We want to help you with the template of what is happening inside you, what is happening inside your partner, why they have these tendencies. I think it gives us so much mercy for both ourselves and yep. for our partner. It's like, oh, that's why you do that. Oh, and that's why I do that. And that's why I feel that. And that's why you feel that. And it becomes understandable. It makes sense. It's a beautiful thing, isn't it? Yes. Okay. Thanks for listening. Let's love better this year. Okay. So tell us about your cutting edge training that you're doing on success and vulnerability. Lori, we just keep pushing it. Coming up with a new module on the playbook of a pursuer, playbook of a witcher, really practical moment by moment moves of what a therapist can use. You know, we're so focused on what's happening in session. Enough that is talk about theories and these global things. We, I think most therapists are looking for, what do I do in this moment? Give me a tool, George. So that's what we're trying to do. That's awesome. I am so glad you guys are doing this work. I think it helps us be organized to see you do it. You do demos, you do explanations, teaching. It really is interactive. And I think that so many trainings that we sit through don't give us an opportunity for that. So what you're doing is really important. No, we try to emphasize the teach it, show it, do it model of learning. Right, you need to have some ideas, so we try to teach those. And then we try to show what it looks like implementing those ideas. But most importantly, you now got to practice it. That's how they become yours. And that's what we want our, our listeners and watchers to do is become their own moves. Find George and his teaching at successandvulnerability.com. Call in your questions to the 4Play question voicemail. Dial 833-MY-4PLAY. That's 833-MY, the number 4, PLAY. And we'll use the questions for our mailbag episodes. All content is for entertainment purposes only and should not be considered as a substitute for therapy by a licensed clinician or as medical advice from a doctor. This podcast is copyrighted by 4Play Media. 
Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device, or play on PC through Facebook games.